Okay, this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 35 and hopefully 36. And Psalm 35 is, uh, it's, just, it's just titled, uh, The Lord, the Avenger of His People, a Psalm of David. And um, we don't know for sure exactly when David wrote this. Uh, when he was either younger, maybe being pursued by Saul, or older, when Absalom, his son, led a rebellion against him, uh, against David's kingdom. But we do know this. Um, there are things in the Psalms, and as well as in all Scripture, that can resonate with us. Um, they are applicable to us. And Second Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by God, or given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, that's what we want this morning from your word. We want to hear it. We want to receive it. Um, Lord, we want it uh, to inspire us uh, with your truth with your doctrine. We want it to be profitable. We want it to correct us. Lord, we want instruction in righteousness uh, that we may be equipped, thoroughly equipped, um, to be your servants, to do every good work. So we ask your blessing this morning, Father, upon your word. We thank you for the worship that we had. And, and uh, Lord, just... Um, as you inhabit the praises of your people, we just pray your presence is here now by your Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, one of the things that we can learn from David in this is that uh, David, when he's in distress or troubled or trials, he knows where to go. He goes to God. He seeks the Lord. And that we need to take heed to that ourselves and do the same thing. Uh, whenever trouble surrounded David, um, he had a heart attitude of thanksgiving. And again, that's something that we need to do ourselves. Even in the times of trials and tribulation, we need to have those thoughts and, and that heart of thanksgiving. In verse 1, 35, David says, plead my cause, O Lord, with those that strive against me or with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. And then say to my soul, I am your salvation. Um, David pleads with God here to contend for him, uh, to fight against those that fight against him. Um, he wants God to take the shield and the buckler and uh, to stand up against his enemies. And it's, I wasn't really sure what a buckler was, but it's a shield is basically the, the full shield is something that a warrior could get behind and be protected from arrows and spears and things like that, so it protects his whole body. The buckler was a smaller shield that would fit on the wrist, and and it was more for hand-to-hand -hand combat, some up-close fighting. And uh, But David's asking God to uh, 
put this armor on, which I thought was kind of interesting um, that he would ask God that in actually in Psalm or in Isaiah fifty nine seventeen, for he God put on the righteousness of a breastplate as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. I think it's, I never thought about God actually putting on armor because he's obviously armored all the time, you would think. But the scripture does tell us that he did that. And also in Ephesians 6.11, it tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we need that. And we need to pray for that. Um, and then as David is surrounded by his enemies here, and as they're pursuing him, and but yet as he knows God is defending him, he wants God's assurance. And he asked God, he said, say to my soul, I am your salvation. I found that interesting. David needs that assurance. And, and a lot of times when we go through trials and troubles, we need assurance. We need to know that God is there for us, that he is with us. And I'm going to take note of that. I, it's not something I've ever prayed that way before, but I think I'm probably going to. When you have those times or when I have those times, I'm just going to pray to God and say, Lord, my soul wants to hear you say, Mick, I am your salvation. And you Put your own names in there when as you pray that, because he is our assurance. He is our salvation. Verse 4 says, let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them and let their way be dark and slippery. And let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly, and let his net that he has hidden catch himself. Into that very destruction, let him fall. Uh, David's asking God basically to be an enemy to his enemies to be an adversary to his adversaries. Bring them to dishonor. Bring them to confusion. Um, there's many examples in, in the scripture, and, and I didn't look up a whole bunch of them, but where God actually uh, brings confusion into the battle. Uh, the One of the main ones that I think of is with Gideon. Now, uh, in his battle against the Midianites, how... God brought confusion onto their camp, and they destroyed themselves, basically. It was just Gideon and his armor bearer, and uh, God, got, God brought confusion into that battle, and uh, obviously uh, the enemy was destroyed. Also, um, it's interesting that David said he, he wants them to be like chaff. Uh, before the wind and made me think of the the winnowing fork how they would take the winnowing fork and throw the grain up into the air and uh, as the wind would blow it would blow the chaff and the the hulls of stuff away from the grain 
And David's asking God to, to do that. Let them be like chaff before the wind. And in Job um, 21, 17 through 18, he says, How often is the lamp of the wicked put out? How often does the destruction come upon them? The sorrows God distributes in his anger. They are like straw before the wind and like chaff that the storm carries away. And God's asking basically, Lord, carry this enemy away, get rid of him. Um, Also let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord pursue them. Um, Twice David asked that the angel of the Lord intervene for him uh, and chase them away. Exodus 23, 20, and 22. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. <clears throat> and in verse 7, David's talking about uh, they're digging a, a pit for him, and um, it's, it's without cause. He hasn't done anything to them that they should seek his life or try to destroy him. Um, and there's examples of... Uh, People digging pits in the in the Old Testament where they would dig pits for uh, like beasts or something that was attacking their livestock or endangering their livestock. Then that would be one way that they could try to entrap them and catch them. And then other ways possibly for hunting. But this is for a human. This is to take a life. And um, Lord or, uh, David said, they're doing this without cause. I haven't given them any reason at all to do this, Lord. And he says in verse 8, let destruction come upon them unexpectedly. Let this net that they've hidden catch themselves. Uh, In other words, let them unaware fall into it on their own. Uh, Proverbs 26 and 27 says, whoever digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. And that's in in regard to harming someone else. Proverbs 28.10 says, Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will inherit good. Verse 9 says, And my soul shall be joyful in you, Lord, or in the Lord, yet shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you? Delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him. Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. In other words, David is saying, if uh, Lord lets this destruction and everything come upon him, and basically I'm going to rejoice. You are my salvation as I prayed, and um, you are protecting and and, and chasing the enemy away. Um, David says he'll... Uh, it's all my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you. In other words, his whole being, his whole fiber, every fiber of his being 
is um, giving thanks to God for this, delivering him from the um, enemy and also delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him. That's the Lord's justice in his way. Verse 11 says, Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. But in my adversity, they rejoiced and gathered together. Attackers gathered against me, and I didn't know it. They tore at me and did not cease. With ungodly mockers at feast, they gnashed at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lion. And I will give thanks to you in the great assembly. I will praise your praise you among many peoples. Lord, they've accused me, David saying, and I haven't even heard about it. I don't even know about it. They're like hostile witnesses. Um, and to be accused of something that you're not even aware of and something that you didn't do, it can be very hurtful. And I think maybe all of us have experienced that sometimes when somebody, our friends or maybe even some fellowship in, the, in our fellowship within the fellowship, people might have a misunderstanding and it can be very hurtful. Uh, but in this case, um, David's saying that they're, they're rewarding him evil for the good, and, and he hasn't done anything to deserve this. Um, and David said also when he uh, heard of their troubles or their sickness or their illness, that he prayed for them. He humbled himself, and he mourned as, as if it was someone of his own family or his um, mother even. But he also said, Lord, in reverse of that, in my adversity, they rejoiced. They gathered attackers together against me, and he didn't know it. He said they gnashed their teeth at him. It made me think of Psalm 22 uh, in around verse 13 where Jesus, when he was on the cross, said, they gape at me with their mouths and like raging and roaring lions. Um, it would be very disheartening and very scary situation um, that David was in. But also, uh, David was rather bold again in his prayer uh, when he when he said, um, "How long, O Lord, are you going to look on? I need you to rescue me, and I need you to save my life." And I find it interesting when I see how David has prayed a lot of these prayers when he says, Lord, come on, I'm waiting on you. What's going on here? You're not acting, you know. I've never had uh, enough courage to pray quite like that, but I find it interesting that David does. And I think about the fact that, you know, when, the, when, the, uh, when Christ was crucified and raised again, the, the, uh, the curtain was ripped from top to bottom, and we could now enter uh, into the throne of grace boldly. Well, David prays pretty boldly when he prays to God about these things. And um, he said, how long, O Lord? 
um, I need you to, to rescue me. You need, it's time to move. And also the other thing I thought of was the fact that as sometimes as we kind of conjure up our prayers or think how we're going to pray, God's already hearing every thought we're putting into that. He knows what we're saying. So I think we just need to be honest and, and, and pray our hearts to God. Um, Psalm 139 verse 2 says, You, God, know my setting down, you know my rising up, and you understand my thoughts afar off. So God knows our every thought. And then in verse 18, David said, Lord, I'm going to give you thanks and I'm going to praise you to many people. You've rescued me. You've saved me. And this is the thankful heart that David has, as we were talking earlier. Even in the trials and tribulations, it's good to have a heart that gives thanks to the Lord. Um, Verse 19 says, let them not rejoice over me who wrongfully, who are wrongfully my enemies, nor let them wink with the eye who hate me without a cause. For they do not seek peace, but they devise deceitful matters. And against the quiet ones in the land, they also open their mouths wide against me and say, Aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. This you have seen, O Lord. Do not keep silent and do not be far from me. Stir up yourself and awake to my vindication to my cause, my God, and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness. Let them not rejoice over me, and let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so we would have it. In other words, they'd have it their way. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion, who rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor, who exalt themselves against me. David saying, Lord, I've given them no reason again to be my enemies and don't let them rejoice. Um, They don't want peace. Um, They're deceitful against the innocent. Um, Their talk is not peaceful. And there are just people that way in the world. Um, They're also mockers. They mocked at David saying, aha, aha, you know, um, in Jude, um, of course, there's only one chapter, verses 17 and 18, it says, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles to our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last times who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. And uh, David also knows and that the Lord is seeing this. He's aware of this. And he's asking God to wake up. Uh, stir yourself up, Lord. Uh, wake to my cause. Um, one thing David knew, his cause was God's cause. In other words, he knew he was in God's will. And he was asking God to vindicate him, uh, to proclaim his innocence, show his innocence. Um, and not to let the enemy even think he's going to be victorious. Instead, let him be ashamed and dishonored as they uh, exalt themselves against David. Uh, Proverbs sixteen eighteen said, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. An arrogant spirit is totally independent from God. And, and I think that's good to think about. An arrogant spirit, someone that's arrogant, 
They're totally independent from God. They have no need for God. They think they're sufficient in and of themselves. Uh, let's see. Where am I here? Oh, in contrast to this, uh, David says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause or God's cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and your praise all the day long. Um, David is in contrast here to what the, the enemy is rejoicing over. He's saying, let the righteous Lord be joyful and glad and rejoice in his cause. Um, he's, and I think it's interesting, too, how well, in Psalms 139.17, it says, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God, and how great is the sum of them. Um, I think it's very interesting how David said here, uh, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Um, God makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. And I think that's uh, very interesting. And also, Lord, my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and your praise all day long. You know, his praise should be on our tongues all day long. And we should speak of his righteousness uh, all day long in our hearts. And if we do that, that is our witness to the Lord, of the Lord. By having his uh, praise on our lips and on our tongue and having his righteousness in, uh, in, in our words. Chapter 36, uh, this one is a, uh, uh, called, or titled Man's Wickedness and God's Perfection. And it's interesting that it follows 35 in that same sense because 35 definitely talking a lot about the wickedness of man. But this one is um, comparing the wickedness of man and God's perfection. And it's also written to the chief musician, musician and it's titled A Psalm of David, A Servant of the Lord. And there's only one other psalm, really, that has that same title, David, A Servant of the Lord, and it's Psalm 18. And it's interesting that Psalm 18 is, uh, comes at a time when David is in his older age. And the Psalm 36 is at a time when David is, is younger. And I think it's it's interesting, and it's a picture of how David has been a servant his whole life. He was a servant in his youth and a servant in his old age, and um, a good example for us to follow, too. And another thing is that um, David didn't really uh, put much pleasure in titles of royalty and things like that. He would rather be called a servant of the Lord than a royal king and, and, and things like that. His, his heart was truly as to be a servant, a true servant of the Lord. Verse 1. 
an oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He flatters himself in his own eyes, and when he finds out iniquity, and when he hates. The words of his mouth are wicked, wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. The oracle of God, uh, or the oracle here within his heart, basically is like a prophecy. It's kind of like a word from the Lord. Um, David had basically observed the wickedness of man and, and was wondering, Lord, where does this come from? Why the transgressions of the wicked? Where do they come from? And this oracle or the prophecy or the word of knowledge from the Lord is answering that question. Is why do the wicked transgress? It's because there's no fear of God before their eyes. And actually, no fear of God is basically the foundation of sin in this whole world. Um, And I've heard many people say that that's one of the biggest problems with our country and the way it's going in our schools, in our politics, and in everything, there is no fear of God. People, um, apparently those that have no fear don't think that there's gonna, they're going to be accountable. They're not going to have to answer to God or they think there is no God. And actually, that's their hope. They hope there isn't a God because then they would probably have fear. Um, yeah, that's the hope of the unsaved person, that there is no God. Verse 2 talks about the wicked flattering themselves, and they actually flatter themselves when they conjure up their iniquity and and their hate. They're proud of it. Um, They flatter themselves with it. Um, Verse 3 says, the words, words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. And, um, he has ceased to be wise and to do good. And Matthew fifteen eighteen says, But those things that proceed out of our mouth, they actually come from the heart, and that's what defiles us. And it's in the wicked person's heart that, uh, where this is coming from. And Jeremiah four twenty two says, For my people are foolish, they have not known me, They are silly children. They have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. And the wicked person, he he rejoices in evil. He never fears God. He doesn't fear wrong. He meditates on it. He defends it. He practices it. And Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And uh, we're told in Scripture to get wisdom, to get understanding uh, many times. And in Proverbs 4 and 5, it says, Get wisdom, get understanding, and do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. 
And then verse 7, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And Proverbs 16, 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Um, These are things that are lacking, obviously, in the wicked person. No wisdom and no understanding. Verse 5 says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. Here's the contrast between the wicked person, the deceitful person, uh, the cheater, the liar, the contrast between them and God. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. And um, David just is reflecting on this striking contrast between the wicked and, and God. God's mercy reaches to the heavens. It's, his mercy is far-reaching. Um, we, we can't attain it. And his, uh, his faithfulness reaches to the clouds. It's immeasurable. His uh, righteousness is like a great mountain. His righteousness is immovable. It's solid. It's firm. And his judgments are like a great deep. Um, His judgments are more than what man can fathom. They go beyond our comprehension. In uh, verse 7... It says, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wing. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Um, Psalm 17, 7 says, Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Um, also in 17, Psalm 17, 8, it says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Jesus uh, mentioned the fact that when he went in Jerusalem, he said, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, you that have killed the prophets and uh, stoned those. And he wanted to gather them under the shadow of his wings to protect them, but they would not. And he said, and so your house is left, left desolate to you. Uh, often, many times in the scripture, it talks about uh, under the shadow of his wings. Psalms 57.1 says, um, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wing I will take make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. Uh, in Psalms ninety four one he says, You shall cover he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Um, 
we're just going to be a basically abundantly satisfied in his care. And, um, and then it also talks about, um, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. In, in Revelations, it talks about the river of water, a river of life uh, that flows through the, the street and how uh, pure it is actually living water. And um, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God. And um, also in his light, we see light. Um, right now, the scripture says a lot of times we see things dimly. But when we are actually in his light, we're going to see like we've probably never seen before. Um, colors that we've never seen before and just beauty and amazing things. Verse 10 says, Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who love you or who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Do not let the foot of pride come against me and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the workers of iniquity have fallen. They have been cast down and are not able to rise. Um, David's saying, Lord, I want your kindness to continue. Um, I need it daily. Uh, and actually, we can take that to apply to us even today because David says, uh, to those who know you, and we know him. That's why we're here. Um, and so, how precious are your thoughts and kindness to us, O Lord. Also, um, the foot of pride, when I think of that, it makes me think of Satan when he fell from heaven. That was basically the reason he did fall. It was because he had pride. He was going to elevate himself equal with God. And... Um, David said, let not the foot of pride come against me. In other words, David wanted to guard his heart against pride. And also his hands, he wanted his hands to do good work and not the work of the wicked. Um, because where they, where the work of the wicked is, David said, that's, uh, that's where they are fallen and they will not rise again. So David said, uh, give them according to their, Psalms 28, excuse me, 4 says, give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands and render to them what they deserve. Um, this whole chapter basically, again, is about the wickedness of, of man and the kindness of God. And the... I think the one thing I take away from it more than anything, and, and um, it's more evident today than anything, is from verse 1, uh, where David had asked the question, why do the wicked transgress? And the oracle from the Lord in his heart told him, um, the wicked transgress because there is no fear of God before their eyes. So that's where we're going to end today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know that uh, 
Your word is true. And Lord, we want to receive it. And we pray that um, you have spoken to our hearts today. We pray that we will take this with us throughout this week and that we will be witnesses uh, of you to those that are around us. So, Lord, we pray that uh, you would just guide and direct each one of us as we go about our days this week. And we pray that um, you will guide and direct us, Lord, for your namesake, that we can bring honor and glory to you. We thank you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.